0: This podcast is a member of WGPRN, wildgamesproductions.com. God, Avatar, get down. I've seen him, you can't beat him. He's too strong. Avatar,
1: don't do it. Yeah, you may be right, but I gotta battle my brother. Hello. You have aged, old fool. The world is mine. Wow, that may be.
2: But I still think I look more like Ma than you do. You know,
0: uh, lots of character. I'm aging better. Brother, there is no need for me to destroy you. Surrender, surrender your world. You always
2: did need an audience, you sap. Let me tell you, I ain't practiced much magic for a long time. I wanna show you a trick mother showed me when you weren't around. He was on special occasions like this.
1: Ah. Oh yeah. One more thing. I'm glad you changed your last name, you son of a bitch.
3: showed me when you
4: weren't
0: around.
1: Welcome to Spellburn, a podcast covering the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game and old-school adventuring. It's time to party like it's 1974. Welcome to our greatest episode yet. Tonight we're going to take a look at one of Dungeon Crawl classic role-playing games defining game mechanics. When two wizards meet in a world where magic is wild, dangerous, and often barely understood by mere mortals, chaos quickly ensues. Two wizards go in and only one wizard comes back out. Somebody's going down. That's right, tonight with the help of some very special guests, we're talking about the spell duel. I'm Judge Jim. And helping me judge tonight's pulse-pounding pandemonium are my two co-hosts, Judge Joe.
4: Hola, amigos.
1: And Judge Jeffrey. Hey, everyone. Hey, guys. Ably assisting our three judges tonight, we have with us two very special guests and spell duelists. In this corner, at 5'6", and weighing in at 185 pounds, we have the Crusher from Colorado, the Master of Mountainous Disaster, and the reigning adventure-riding champ, Harley Strode or Stro. Oh, bring the noise! And in the other corner, at six foot two and weighing in at 217 pounds, the challenger, the Longcaster from Long Island, the Peerless Pros Pro, Michael Magic Missile Curtis. There will be no survivors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> i get carried away,
1: sorry. All right, let's move this. I I was about to say let's move this to the tavern, but you know what? With the five of us on here, why don't we just ditch this whole podcast and go siege a castle? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm feeling good about going off the plot. No, I'm sorry. We'll go to the tavern.
0: And the first rule of bartending is this. GBTB. Go beyond the book. Go beyond the book. What do you have? Heineken. F- this. Tavern,
1: Tavern talk. talk. Okay, so what did we all do in gaming this past week? Mr. Harley Stroh.
2: Oh, I, I had a fantastic week in gaming, actually. I got together with my uh, my group of fifth grade playtesters and one of their dads who's a lawyer and we all sat down and, and placed played in some DCC RPG, and you know it was just the highlight of my week. It was it was Friday afternoon. Everybody was exhausted from work. We show our work in school. We show up, you know, at the, around the kitchen table, uh, rolled up some characters, and it was, you know, it reminded me everything that's so awesome about role playing in general, and you know DCC RPG in specific. It was it was just a blast. We had a really good time.
1: That's a pretty good mix: fifth graders and a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> they're
2: they they they're a fantastic group of kids, and um, you know, so we you guys might have seen it on G They they had a a, a sign up for D and D club. You know, not they're unable to differentiate. You know, role playing games from you know every every role playing game is Dungeons and Dragons. But we have about uh, eleven kids signed up now. Half of them are girls, and it's just the coolest thing on the planet.
1: It's so much fun.
3: That sounds great.
1: Yeah, it's super fun break in the next generation because somebody's going to have to game for us when we're too old to judge.
2: Well, and, and it's just so awesome because they don't have any expectations, right? So, you know, they all came in with, you know, three zero-level characters and they all walk out in some, you know, degree of having lost, you know, characters and it was awesome. You know, there's... Yeah, it was a really good time.
1: I love little kid players because everything's amazing. Yep. How about you, Mr. Michael?
0: Um, I, you know, I feel bad saying this, but um, I actually... I was, I had two sessions this week. Um, one of it was, uh, I was actually running my, uh, my irregular, regular Pathfinder game, uh, which I've kind of been doing on and off for a while. Um, we took a break for the summer because we had one of our, one of our players was actually, um, out of state on a, uh, on a scholarship grant, but, uh, he got, he just got back two weeks ago. So we're in the middle. Well, we're in the second part of the, um, uh, the Kingmaker Adventure Path, so we're, we got to the part where we're actually doing some kingdom building and stuff like that. Uh, so it was, you know, it was a it's a lot of uh, you know mechanics and trying to fast forward the calendar about eight months. Um, but you know, that was that was just interesting, you know, just checking out the rule system on that. And then uh, actually last Saturday, I uh, I, I got to play test D and D next of all things. So uh, sat and rolled a lot of dice and had a good time with that. Um, but uh, you know, it's kind of been kind of been a little laid back right now. Um, I've been you know just a, not too much of DCC playing, but a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes for DCC. So,
1: well, I mean, we're not prejudiced around here except in favor of things, so you can play whatever you want. Um, yeah, I-, I have a question though about the D and D next. Given what I know of your background, are you and the uh, design modularity of of D and D next? I almost said DCC next. That'll be Five years from now um D next is supposed to be you can play it however you want it do you find yourself tending to play it old school or n- more like pathfinder
0: well i mean uh i always play old school no matter what i'm playing uh <laughs> i mean uh you know this uh we, the you know it was it was us going into a cave and and fighting goblins and stuff and uh you know <laughs> There was a, you know, we, uh, I mean, one of my, my cleric was worshipped the, you know, the, the god of fire or whatever, and uh, there was a, you know, there was a big barrel full of full of javelins, and we heard a bunch of, you know, a bunch of goblins running down the hallway trying to catch us, and we were kind of boxed in, so uh, I decided to, oh, oh sorry about that. I, um, <laughs> you lose, Michael Curtis! <laughs>
1: that, that, that was your cleric's DD calling you? Yes, that was that was Harley actually calling me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> By any means necessary.
0: <laughs> no, uh, long story short, I uh, I chucked a thing of alchemist fire into a barrel full of javelins and hurled them at the goblins. And, you know, I figured that would be a way to do, uh, you know, uh, to dissuade them from following us. And, of course, like I rolled like a three on my two hit roll. So it was flaming javelins everywhere.
1: <laughs> so. well, okay, that was old school. Yeah. how about you mr joe
4: i ran some uh some games for some young kids a little bit like harley I had uh, five-year-olds and ten-year-olds or well sorry one five-year-old my daughter jemima and uh and a few ten-year-olds and that was fun i, I ran them through a little uh something called sailors of the starless sea
3: <laughs> i think i've heard uh, of that i've heard of that one
4: but uh it was it was pretty brutal actually i, g- I gave them like four characters each um and uh, they were kind of like some of the kids that were in the other room playing video games. They are playing like Dragon's Dogma or something. They're like, "Yeah, I want to play that D and D video game." I was like, "No, no, no! Look, uh, take these dice. Let me let me show you how it's done." So, uh, you know, they they seemed a little bit distracted by the TV until they got to the Vine horrors and and uh, started pulling out their pitchforks and swords and, and going at it. And the very first kid is the very first experience with uh, a ro- tabletop role playing game the vine horror beat him on initiative and very first he was up in front very first attack vine around the neck popped his head right off <laughs> and threw it at one of his other characters so you
1: didn't make but, anybody cry did you
4: not this time yeah my, my youngest one has cried in the past when i killed off her characters and oh she, she pauses a second when i when i'm getting ready to rip her uh, her uh, purple sorcerer you know pre-gen level zeros in half but she doesn't actually rip start falling
3: oh, oh man. yeah
4: I, I well i do it real slow because I, I start to tear <laughs> and then i go okay what 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 just happened to, what's happening to your character right now and then they're like oh. okay well yeah daddy uh, the 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 vine horror reaches into my chest and and pulls
3: my still beating heart out oh
4: and uh yeah so
3: Man, time. all my friends think I'm tough on my kids. You, you just made me <laughs> seem like Mr. Nice Guy.
2: <laughs> Joe waits till he sees his kids cry, then he tears the character sheets in half. <laughs>
3: right, exactly. His <laughs> salt in the wound.
1: <laughs> You're going to get your character sheet torn up in this life, kid. Might as well get used to it now.
4: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was my week in gaming.
1: Awesome. How about you, Jeffrey?
3: Uh, I haven't got a whole bunch of gaming done since last time. Mainly getting prepped up for the next session of uh, uh, Sea Queen Escapes. Uh, So looking forward to that. That's coming up in a couple days. So that's about all I've got gaming wise at the moment. Or my normal Thursday night game got canceled. So yeah, it was a light week for me.
0: That Sea Queen Escapes—that's an awesome adventure. I think that's it is an awesome (laughs) adventure. Yeah, that Starless Seas crap. You know, (laughs) It it has a
2: sweet cover. That's for sure.
1: There was, there, we, we, we got some listener feedback on Google Plus that uh, the episode where we talked about Gen Con, we didn't discuss enough about the Michael Curtis uh, upcoming adventures. Of course, of course, that listener feedback was from Michael Curtis.
2: <laughs> does he have any upcoming adventures?
1: Oh, several. <laughs> I, I, I just signed up for a playtest of one.
0: Oh. <laughs> 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 You, just, you you wait, Straw. You wait.
1: <laughs> Save it for the arena. Right. It's, it's coming. You'll get your chance. Um, I uh, had a fantastic game just last night. Uh, you guys know I'm uh, writing something. It's kind of a skunkworks project, and we are in our second session. And as opposed to my other two co-hosts who have judged on a regular basis, I've just recently stepped behind the screen and started running some DCC games. And uh, the thing where you were ripping sheets up, the uh, uh, etiquette and protocol at my tables developed into, what do you do? And they tell me, and I just lower my head behind the screen and hold my hand, outstretched hand for them to hand me the character sheet. (laughs) That's what I do. I just go, (sighs) okay. (laughs) Keep keep it here. So, uh, uh, as opposed to the first game where everybody played very, very smart and I rolled crappy on all my monster initiatives, uh, this uh, week two of the uh, prior players that had been party leaders didn't show... And that caused enough uh, inter-party chaos that uh, I had a uh. combat where I got surprise on them, so I didn't have to worry about my initiative rolls. So, Mike, you were giving me a hard time about only killing one level zero in the first round of the character funnel. They're down to sixteen now from twenty-four. So, uh.
2: and how Thanks. many did you start with? Twenty-four. <laughs> nice.
1: So, uh, it, but uh, but everybody's having fun and it's going great. How about we do some emails? You've got mail. Message for you, sir. Summon email. Okay. I uh, always fail to mention that should you uh, wish to email us, you can email our podcast at theband@spellburn.com, at and we appreciate every single email and forum post. Joe, Jeffrey, what do we got this week?
3: Okay, the first emails from Gray Makesner, uh, and he writes, Hi, Spellburners. First off, let me say that I'm a huge fan of the show. It was what finally convinced me to teeter over the edge and pick up the rulebook. <laughs> I'm starting a new campaign using a different rule system, but I'm wanting to use DCC as a stopgap game for when some of my players can't make it. I think its gonzo style will contrast well with the more serious tone of my main game, and I'm hoping that as an added benefit, my group will become more receptive to this older style of play. Eventually, I would love to be running DCC on a larger scale and as a main campaign. Given this, I was wondering if there is a series of modules that can be strung together for a nice, even transition between levels. I have already grabbed Sailors on the Starless Sea after hearing you guys gush about it and love it. What's a good next step? Keep up the good work, GM Gray.
1: What a good question. I think part of probably what's behind that question is I I see on the Goodman Games forums there's a lot of people that want like what they're used to. Like, I I need a G series of giant modules or a Drow series, and Goodman Games doesn't really do that.
4: Yeah, I think maybe that's you know just uh, from people that haven't played for a while coming back into the game, maybe.
3: You know, I almost think it's more that it, people have been trained for adventure paths from you know Pathfinder. The adventure path is all the rage, and whether you're doing D and D Pathfinder, converting it to something, I think people are used to not only just G series type stuff, but long take you from level one to you know upper teens I, I think I think we're seeing a lot of that I guess because we do seem to get this question a lot or at least on G Plus or uh, the forums that people want to know what can I run together in a line
1: there's an adventure path in Sailors of the Starless Sea it's called a big boat that sweeps your characters out of the dungeon and into the next adventure
2: <laughs> well, and 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 not to, to 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 harp on that too much, but that's the awesome piece of that adventure is that it it'll, it'll bleed into you know whatever adventure the judge falls in love with next, you know. And so there's there's a there's a few really fun choices depending on if the, if the judge is hoping to run urban campaigns or you know more episodic, um, you know outdoor dungeon crawls. There's a few to choose from.
1: I, when Michael, when you were on the show, this came up where somebody asked, uh, "Would Stonehill Dungeon be a good uh, campaign? Could you convert Stonehill Dungeon to DCC?" And I really liked your answer because it ties into what we're talking about.
0: Well, right. I mean, I, I, again, I will go out and, you know, this is this is my own personal beliefs on this. But um, for me personally, the whole mega dungeon, you know, uh, campaign tent pole of, you know, like, you know, Castle, Castle Greyhawk or Undermountain or, or Stonehell or what have you, you know, it's, you know, where you go back and forth and, okay, we, we, we know we have the town and we got the dungeon. We go back and forth and we go deeper and deeper and deeper and, you know, we go up and level. I mean, that doesn't work for me uh, with GCC because, I mean, really, you know, my background is the Appendix N stuff. And, um, you know, I've seen it come up before, but, I mean, uh, the old Appendix N stories, very few of them were, uh, you know, very few of them were actual novels. I mean, for the most part, we're dealing with a lot of short stories there, so it's very episodic. So to me, that is kind of like the natural. That's 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 the natural progression when I'm dealing with DCC. So uh, I like the idea that you know um, you know each adventure can lead on to like the next installment. And in fact, in pretty much every one of my adventures, at the you know the, the last you know last two paragraphs of every adventure, it's like, well, here's what you can do. You know, based on what we've had here, you know, if you want to elaborate on on the situations that you've been presented with. I know, I just, it's, you know, the, if you look at, you know, if you look at Conan or if you look at, you know, Grey Mouser or Fafford or anything like that, it's always, it's just like, well, this 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 week we're in Lake Mar and next week we're on a boat and then we're in the jungle. And, then, you know, I mean, and you, know, it, you, you guys did bring it up is that, uh, you know, one of the things about DCC is that, I mean, Joseph Goodman, he's very aware of the fact that a lot of people are kind of getting back into the hobby. And, um, you know, I mean, although you have more, disposable income at this time, you know, there is kind of a graying somewhat of the hobby. Uh, so you have people who just don't have the time to sit down and do, you know, well, level from one to 20, you know, over a prolonged period. So the reason that most of the DCC adventures are like, you know, 16 pages are, is because it's just something that, you know, you can sit down and you can have a good time with and, um, you know, and re- rekindle that old love for it and then move on to like the next spot. And that's—I think—that's probably the reason that we're not seeing the so-called the adventure path or the you know the mega the, the mega campaign or anything like that. Then that I think that just Harley and I are very very tired. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Curtis, here your your age is speaking for you. You're, we're worrying out far too early. Uh, but no, I, I think Mike has has you know he has the heart of it. I mean so many of the adventures are really designed currently as, as episodic adventures. Now that that, that certainly won't always be the case. I can, I can envision a a future, you know, where at some point in time we, we string together a series of adventures. but I, I would, I would encourage the judge to, to, you know, to take a look at the catalog, you know, also from the third party publishers and, and, you know, see what inspires him or her to, to run the game. And then, and then you know you can build that into an, an adventure path
1: and right i mean if it's your campaign you can and you you need a super campaign you can definitely string it together with available materials i mean uh, jeffrey tells us about how he does it in his campaign every week
3: mm-hmm. yeah and that's what i was going to say it, take a moment and just like enjoy the freedom you get of the current adventure you're in uh, most of them are written so that you can uh, You can work your way into them and out of them with your own little touches and keep the core of the adventure. Because I've blended, just like Harley said, I've blended uh, Goodman Games adventures, Purple Duck Games, Purple Sorcerer Games. I've used adventures from all three companies to create success. And it's really just a little bit of tweaking at the end of one adventure can get you into another. And, uh, you know, look at less as not knowing what to do, but more, you know, freedom to go where the party goes. How does the party go through an adventure? Sometimes that'll dictate what direction I go because, oh, they're interested in this and this adventure would fit well with that. Or sometimes I'll just write a little bit of my own glue to take you from one place to the other. So, you know, instead of looking necessarily for a full path to take you from step by step, just listen to what your players are doing and you can sort of pick and choose a la carte. It's worked out pretty well for my campaign. I've enjoyed it.
2: You know, the other piece is it's only a matter of time before, um, you know, patrons and gods start getting their, their tangled webs on the PCs, you know, just like Michael Curtis was saying with, with the Lankmar adventures. And so, you know, before long, the PCs will be determining their own adventure, either whether they're trying to buy off the priest's god and, you know, and, and win him back into the fold or they're trying to, you know, figure out some way to counteract the the, the wizard's corruption uh, you know so much will go wrong with dcc characters that pretty soon they start generating their own adventures and which is which is which is when the campaigns get really fun
3: yeah which is so true cuz i ran a, a certain adventure from goodman games that was pretty much over but because of some extra hooks i threw in <laughs> the party was really upset at some of the uh the the of a certain temple and they yeah, chose to go back to that up? place yeah. And, yeah and they chose to go back and just we're going to go back in and we're just going to eliminate that group of people you know Aww, that was yeah. a good three four sessions of you know completely <laughs> sidetracked and let me reuse the module almost and they completely i mean we almost ran it again because it changed because these people knew to be wary of the party now but uh you know, I almost ran that adventure twice. <laughs> See, that,
1: that's completely genius. reskinned. That's the genius. That so Doug cool. Kovacs. Doug Kovacs runs the module forward, then he runs it flipped around backwards <laughs> again for
3: you. Yeah. So just really let your mind open up. I know I uh, have been in the. You know, I've ran a lot of adventure paths in the past, and you know, I've just found it very liberating to be able to listen to the party finally, and less me steering the party places, but listen to where they're going, and then I can tweak things as needed, and still run published adventures. Just. Little tweaks here and there to, to make them more appropriate to the party. And it's, it's worked well for our group so far.
1: That's good judging, sir. I try. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, GM Gray. And who's up next, email-wise?
4: I guess that's me. We've got another email from our old friend DM Kojo. Well, we just ran our second character funnel so that some members of my group who had not yet tried it could enjoy the DCC RPG goodness. I ran Purple Sorcerer's Perils of the Sunken City by John Marr, and it is an excellent adventure. Everyone had a great time, and now several players have a pool of level 1 characters to play. I think my next adventure will either be People of the Pit or Frozen in Time. Both look great, but I would love to hear your take on these two adventures. Thanks.
1: I've not played People of the Pit, but I can't say enough about Frozen in Time.
4: Well, Frozen in Time, I don't know who wrote that, but it's kind of a...
1: I can't Slow, say I, I can't plotting say it. type of. I, could say <laughs> I can't say enough about Frozen Time, but I could say too much because there's stuff in there you want to see, but I'm not going to spoil it for you.
4: Uh, we got Michael Curtis who wrote Frozen in Time, but um,
1: I I actually really
4: like People of the Pit. I, it's one of my favorite adventures for DCC RPG. Not that Frozen in Time isn't good. It's just I haven't read it yet. Joseph Goodman's had this you know standing No Tentacles <laughs> thing, but. But uh, people in the pit has got a lot of tentacles, and you, you, everything is tentacles basically. And then the tentacles have tentacles, so it's.
1: Hey, uh, Joe! It's a good thing you got under the wire before the no eyeball rule got instituted.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I have my own no eyeball rule because I've, I've, I've done kind of a bunch of eyeball stuff, and then, and then finally I did. Okay, this is. I'm getting all the eyeballs out of my system once and for all.
0: Goodbye. It's it's a little known fact that actually uh, Harley just got under the uh, no hands line either with uh, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just barely, just barely. Yeah. But uh, I, I think actually, I think that the no tentacle rule came after People of the Pit was written, and we realized, you know, that um, you know, like just as like Michael and I have like similarly expanding waves of appendix and awareness, you know, and we're all. He and I are moving towards like similar themes at the same rate and speed. Joseph realized we were all writing tentacle adventures at one point. He was like, "All right, you know, enough of this. You know, Sailors has one. People at Pit is all tentacles. You know, enough of this. We have to, we have to move on." Um, but that that being said, I think Frozen in Time is is probably one of the best DCCs that's been published so far. Like it, it's it's one of my favorites, and like not just because Michael's on, but it's it's really well done, and it, it's kind of showcasing you know. Michael had some of his best writing. It's fantastic.
0: Well, thank you very much. I, I my whole point about Frozen with Time was, uh, you know, Joe Joseph is really big about you know going back to Appendix N, and I wanted to do something that shows that Appendix N isn't just you know uh, dudes with swords hacking down you know guys in funky bathrobes. So, um, no, you know, so Frozen with Time got to I got to play with some of the uh, the less you know less less touched upon tropes from the old Appendix N. So, I I think it, I, I think it came out to be a fun one. So.
2: Yeah, it was the first one that really opened up the like the DCC universe, really, because like, don't you have a generator on Purple Sorcerer for um, Cavemen now? Uh huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can custom generate characters according to just that module.
2: Yeah. It, 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 so it, it really <laughs> opened it up to hey, you know, this is you can use the generator, you can use the the engine behind DCC for so many other genres.
1: As well, I know. I, and, and you wrote for my sweet spot, you know, when you give my wizard a blaster rifle, I'm Mr. Happy Camper. <laughs> Spell to me now.
4: I think the new rule should be uh, no adventures where everything explodes or falls into the earth at the end. This seems like that's kind of the ending for a lot of adventures, not just Goodman Games, but the history of adventure writing.
0: Oh Yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I mean, was it a tower out of time? If if you do that the right way, I, at least I I kind of turn that idea on the ends, uh, on the ears that the tower doesn't blow up; it just kind of slowly melts. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Well, I mean, there are some basic adventure writing tropes you have to do if you don't want the player characters returning and setting up permanent shop in a place. Yeah, <laughs> here's our new hideout, Stonehell.
3: Hence, my characters now own a temple. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. Which makes me. It so, is awesome. So happy, Jeff. Awesome. I can toy with that quite a bit.
1: I mean, they'll be surfing with that turtle in *Escape of the Sea Queen* if you let them.
0: Yeah, I know. I got to be careful of that too. I I, I figured, you know, I, there's there's a rule in there. He doesn't come back, so you can produce like one shot.
3: <laughs> and I was very appreciative of that when I read that. I'm like, because okay, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to be blowing this thing all the time, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was very appreciative of that.
0: Uh, I, I put it in there because you know I, I you know I'm I'm a, I'm a player first and foremost, and the first thing, oh man, all right, so we now have a we now have like a, a turtle the size of a small island, and you know I mean we, you know okay we got to get a fly spell on this thing, and then we're going to turn this thing into Gamora, you know. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Remind well, I, me never
1: the GM for Michael, holy cow! <laughs> uh, Rick Hull is running a play test of the Chain Coffin. Uh, uh, here in a few weeks, and I'm looking forward till I eventually get to the Michael Curtis adventure where if your wizard spell burns himself to the ground at the end of the adventure, he gets really screwed. So I, I know it's coming. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying anything.
2: we are going to make a Jim Wampler rule where, where yeah, that'll apply solely to your character, Jim.
1: Okay. Okay, well, that answers uh, your email, DM Kojo. Thanks for writing as always. Let's do some Mighty Deeds.
0: Wait a second. I have an idea. That's plenty for the both of us. I move for no man. <laughs> Ow. Mighty.
1: Okay, tonight we're going to be doing the spell duel, which is a, a listener requested uh, episode. And uh, anyway, and then when we started alluding that we were thinking about doing this, the response was phenomenal. So a lot of people want to understand these rules and how they work and use them. And uh, prior to what we're recording right now, I've never seen a spell duel.
4: Yeah, me either. So, in fact, uh, if you guys remember the first episode, I was like, "We need to do the first episode about spell duels."
3: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I pseudo-ran one in one of my games, but very loosely, and like as I skimmed the rules during the game to be able to run it, we I got into a situation with my group that we needed to do it. But I, I don't think we were anywhere near a official capacity on that one.
1: Harley, when you were on a prior episode, I seem to remember you alluding to you and Doug came up with these in a bar somewhere.
2: <laughs> no, I, I wish Doug and I had come up. No, it was um, it was Joseph and Doug and John Adams of Brave Has- Halfling Publishing, and myself. It, but you know, we were at, we were at Gary Khan. You know, Joseph realizes that we you know he really wanted to have a, a mechanic allowing wizards to go at it in a in a you know in a subtle, more nuanced way than just casting spells at one another. You know, we hadn't seen it done well in in role playing games. Um, you know, prior to that, and so we. We sat down in an afternoon uh, you know, with John Adams and Doug, and Doug came up with all the phlogiston disturbances. And he, for the rest of the con, Doug was shouting, think about the phlogiston. And um, yeah, Joseph was, was running wizard duels against the rest of us. And I'm pretty sure Joseph you know, won every single spell duel he had. But, uh, but yeah, so, so Gary Kahn, Joseph Goodman, Doug Kovacs, and, and Brave Havillian Publishing is where it came from.
1: I'm dying to know the etymology of the term Phlogiston disturbance." <laughs> I, 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 I tried it to see if that was anybody's name backward, and came up
2: no, no. It's just the brilliance of Doug Kovacs. Okay, you know, I looked it up
4: on Wikipedia. It was like uh, some some old theory of of what made things combust. Exactly. Yeah, like in the 1700s it was, it was like Greek or something, or something, right? Wasn't it? Like, yeah, you know, well, the, a... the word, the root is like the root of the word is Greek, but it was it was later than that. I, th- I yeah. think it was 1700s. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe earlier.
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, you guys know this from Gencom, but if you have the chance to hang out with Doug Kovacs, he'll he'll shout out like "Flow just on disturbance," only something you know cooler a dozen times a day. It's just a matter of sitting with Doug Kovacs, you know, long enough writing down what he says, and you can design a game around that.
1: He is one madman of a game judge. Uh, well, I, Doug, Doug gave me the uh, the greatest praise he
0: could give me once. Uh, we were doing uh, emails back and forth about uh, one of the adventures I was writing on, and his his comment was like, "I love I love write, reading my Curtis's adventures because there's always words I have to look up and coming from Doug." <laughs>
2: <What>? <laughs> you know that's so funny. Doug came back to me. It must have been after that. He's like Harley. You have the vocabulary of ten Michael Curtises. And, you know, I, I didn't. I wasn't super impressed with it at the time, but uh, I guess it was a compliment. Oh, 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 man. Save it for the spell duel, guys.
1: <laughs> All right, just, just to call Ugh. a little bit of order, we're going to go through the spell duel rules before we actually go at it, just so you guys know. <laughs> keep, keep your somatic components in the, in the holster for now. Okay, well, uh, shall we just walk through the basic mechanics? What, sure. make, what makes this different than two mages rolling initiative and just chucking spells at each other in initiative order?
2: Well, you know, it'll, it'll start with two mages rolling initiative.
4: Though you can't, uh, a cleric or uh, a thief with a scroll can actually participate as well.
2: Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. That That's actually really important, yeah. And so uh, a mage or a cleric or a thief with a scroll, you know, further down in the initiative count, if, if, if he or she has a spell that can counterspell you know, the 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 spell being cast by that first caster shouts, you know, that that they're initiating a spell duel. And at that point, you know, jumps forward in the initiative count until both both wizards or the wizard and the cleric or the wizard and the thief or the cleric and the thief are casting at the same time.
1: So that's the first part of it. There's everybody rolls normal initiative, which would include the other party members, but as soon as two opposing wizards decide to initiate a spell duel, the A wizard in the highest order of initiative gets to throw a spell, and then a wizard lower in initiative order can decide he wants to counterspell and jump in, out of order. Exactly. Which is a pretty cool mechanic. When I first read it, I thought, well, that will just drag combat out forever. But as our dress rehearsal proved, no, not so much. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's it's good the wizards are so squishy. Um, the 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 other piece that's important to that is actual spell selection. You know the the person counterspelling needs to have a spell that will either you know directly counter and or you know the the same spell that the initial wizard is casting. So you know if if I'm casting magic missile, you know Jim Wampler can either counterspell me with magic missile or perhaps he has you know magic shield which will. Which will also counteract my magic missile. Um, so part of it is having, uh, you know, two spells that are either identical or can counter
1: one another. I would, I would definitely go with the magic shield between those two choices.
2: Well, it, it's true, but if your spell goes, th- we, 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 but well, you know, if your spell goes through and, and the and the initial casters doesn't, all of a sudden it's way cooler to have cast magic missile against magic missile rather than magic shield.
0: Right, that's that's why I picked out in the, in the test run because looking over the rules, you realize that you know, I mean, if sure, you now you have the you have the magic you know, the magic shield brought up, but it might be diminished in power. So why why do a protective thing when you can try to do some damage to the guy who you're messing with? <laughs> yeah, there's,
1: uh, there's big, Stephanie- in my case, because I know what a, a crappy dice roller I generally am. So <laughs> I'm, I'm setting myself up for the next set of spells. If I manage to squeeze a shield off, now I'm ready to counter with the sure. offense.
2: Sure. Sure. There's definitely some strategy in, in which which spell you're choosing, uh, whether or not you can risk losing that spell. Um, what do you think the odds are of getting a better spell check than the other wizard? Uh, there's a little there's a little bit of tactics that goes into you know choosing which spell you want to counterspell with, if you have that choice.
1: I have a, I have a question. Suppose the first wizard throws magic missile and the second wizard decides to counter with magic missile and spell burn, and the first wizard went first and didn't spell burn.
2: Well, they both go off simultaneously. If I if I were running that in a game, I would ask you know if it was a wizard versus a wizard, or if it was a wizard versus the DM, the judge. I would I would I would have us both you know write that down on a card before announcing it and be like, all right, it's it's I'm going to be one d twenty plus four plus I burn ten points of spell burn, um, and flip them over at the same time so that uh, because the the spells go off simultaneously, so it's not fair to either wizard to uh, have one guy forced to announce his first. And the, and the other guy respond. That
1: that sure. sounds that sounds like a really good idea, actually. Yeah, I like
3: that. That seems like a great way to handle that.
4: Well, I mean, but in most cases, you'd be talking about an, an NPC wizard uh, who who <laughs> shouldn't should be spell burning. I don't think.
2: No, you're 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 totally right. Which which makes the case for I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it it would be interesting if we included a little more information on some of our npc wizards other than just you know their their stats and you know random harm spells or what have you
1: okay so a counter spell is constituted of of one of two types of spell a spell that literally counters it magic missile versus magic shield or the same spell just to oppose it yep okay
0: but dispel magic counters everything (laughs) oh that
2: thing (laughs) yeah dispel magic is just you know the king's gambit of what of of of, of spell doing. Huh. As soon as you get dispel magic, like you know, the world is yours.
1: Kind of like a kingside castle. Boom!
2: <laughs> you can piss off anybody
1: at that point. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about the uh, momentum die?
2: Uh, well, sure. Well, so so you know, just going sequentially in the actual order, you know, both both casters. Let's say that, yeah, we'll just you know make a generic casters make their spell checks. And compare their spell checks to one another, um, and and you know the winner starts to achieve you know momentum. You know the, the, he's he's twisting the universe to his will, and, and more of the universe is shifting towards his ability to master it than than his opponent. And so what, what that in turn is, it starts to yield some of the spell duel his direction. How we do that mechanically is you know we record, okay, Michael Curtis is one you know round one on the spell duel. So he's one higher than um, than my spellcaster. You know the the rules tell you to do that with a twenty sided die. You know where you started at ten, and then Michael Curtis would advance his to eleven for having won the first round. You know, and perhaps advancing it to twelve for having won the second round. And you know the the difference between those two momentum dies influences you know the the, the, the spell duel table.
1: The momentum die is probably more important for high level caster spell duels than low level. I'm guessing.
2: Well, yeah, 'cause you know as as you guys have seen you know our low level spell casters they don't they don't hang around for more for than a round or two. It'd be a bit interesting to try it out with you know like eighth level casters or tenth level casters <laughs> where that momentum die really starts to make a difference, but in lower level spell duels, you know it's it's really fun, it's really interesting exciting, and it's gonna be over in you know one d three minus one rounds.
1: Well that, that's that's kind of a discovery. I mean, I think some of uh, I'll speak for myself, some of my initial resistance to using the spell duel rules is I when I read them, they seemed a little crunchy, but I I, I tend to like rules light. but it seemed like it would be a good way to grind the game to a complete halt and every non caster just gets to sit and watch for a long time and that turns out not to be the case.
2: Yeah, you know that's that's kind of the blessings of tables, and so like you you look at a at a wizard or I mean not a wizard, I'm forgive me, a warrior or a thief, you know hitting a critical hit, and we don't we don't think of those as as game stopping you know mechanics. Um, you know, so it's like a chance for that wizard or that thief to shine with that critical hit, and they're chopping someone's head off and and shoving the you know the sword down their gullet, or or hitting them in the back of the head with a blackjack and you know and tightening the garrote spell duels are really kind of the same thing it's it's, it's the wizard's chance to get a critical hit and, and just shine for those those 30 seconds of table time um, <laughs> but they go a lot faster than you think you know the, the table resolves itself really quickly it's it, it's really no more table lookup than it would be a, a warriors critical hit
0: and and after this after this episode airs we are going to see a, a massive uh, upswing in spell duels going on in people's campaigns because they will understand how
1: <laughs> to do I, I was I, just I was just thinking, Job Jeffrey and I should have a contest amongst ourselves to see who can work one into an adventure and report back on it the quickest.
2: (laughs) Well, maybe maybe you put that to your to your listeners and they can they you know the coolest story that comes back with a spell duel. Maybe we could I don't know we could send them something fun. I'm not sure what that would be. Uh, Michael Curtis will will write one of their characters into his his next adventure. You know, I mean, he has like two adventures (laughs) left. (laughs) He's got he's got to shine while he still has a chance.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, okay, Let, let's do that. Let's throw it open to the listeners. You write us with an actual play report of a spell duel in your campaign, and we will, by next episode, figure out what the prize are gonna, is going to be. And uh, there will be two prizes. There will be a prize for the first uh, listener who reports back a spell duel and a bonus prize if you were a judge in a game and managed to get it to be two player wizards against each other. Nice, nice. F- I
0: forgot this is a spell burn in the podcast that makes the guest work, too. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's great somebody wrote in after Harley was on the show and said can I get his laugh as a ringtone I'm like (laughs) (laughs) ask Harley don't ask us okay what haven't we covered guys
3: well I have one question before we get too far from just a little bit ago so you cast a spell the person countering how do they know what the first one cast because the manifestation you wouldn't always know do you Just sort of hand wave that, and you know, or do you make them see it have been cast once? When it came up in my game, they'd actually seen the caster cast before, so I obviously ruled, oh yes, you've seen them cast that spell before, so you know what it is. But how would you, any suggestions on how you'd handle that in an actual game where they hadn't seen the wizard cast yet?
2: You know, I think if
3: I was running a campaign,
2: I'd, I'd go the way you in it, and, and and I'd really want them to see the spell and realize, oh my goodness, this is a fireball coming down on us. You know, but we've prepared for this time. We've learned fireball. Now we have the chance to counterspell it. I think that's that's really cool and brilliant. Okay. If I was if I were running it in a con setting, I, I think I'd you know, given I've never seen these people before, and you know, we may not game again for another year, I think i I'd, I'd let them know and give the wizard the opportunity to stop it then and there.
3: Let's do it right there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious because I came up my game and it worked out well enough because they'd seen this caster cast before, so it's like, oh yeah, you've seen it, you can fig- you can figure it out. But cool. See, that's that's awesome.
2: You know, and at that at that point, you know, it's it's the players paying attention that are you know that's that's really fun. That's really yeah. fun. Okay. Um. Uh, so so all right. So the two the two they they've they've announced that they're going to attempt to counterspell one another. They both make spell checks they compare the totals of the spell checks against one another. You know, one's the attacker. That's the one person first in initiative order. The second one's the defender, the person second in initiative order. And, and they, they compare to one another. Um, and they, they look on table 4.5 spell dual check comparisons. And there you'll, you'll see a, a very, uh, intimidating table of about 200 results, but it's really just cross, cross referencing, you know, uh, the attacker spell check and the defender spell check and then rolling that die. So we, we, so both, both have have cast their spells, made their spell checks. And, uh, you you compare the attacker's spell check, you know, the attacker being the first person in the initiative order against Uh, the defender. I
0: I was, I was the attacker and I just roll, I had a spell check with a, say a 16. What did you get? Perfect.
2: I, I only got a 14, but so we cross cross reference 16 and 14 and, uh, and see that it's a D4. And so we'd, we'd take that D4 and we'd, we'd, we'd roll it on the, uh, the counterspell power table, which is that next table. Um, and that would tell us that, – that's, that's, that's the end of it. That, that tells you the results that you need to use to apply to the spell checks.
1: And that's a mistake I made when I read the rules and balked at them because it's just like uh, people who haven't tried the game open a rule book for the first time and look at it and go, wow, these spells are crunchy. But they're not. It's a very simple mechanic. In fact, it's a very smooth mechanic. It just refers to a lot of tables, and all you can do is glance at the table and you know the result.
2: Exactly, exactly. You know, and and that, the, the, the spell dual check comparison table is a little intimidating but once you've used it once or twice, <laughs> it loses most of that intimidating capacity.
0: But you also have to know if you look at the actual rule book, I mean, the uh, not counting the, uh, the the tables themselves, all of the text on basically those th- on pages 100, 101, and one, and one hundred and two. That that's that's the that's the example. That's not the actual rules. I mean, that's just the trying to clarify things a little bit. The the, the rules for themselves are you know. Uh, like a page and a quarter, <laughs> right, right.
1: It's
2: it's all table reference, you know. It's just like critical hits.
1: And uh, it, it's it's not. I mean, it depends on how old you are. But if you go back to first edition AD and D, I mean, there was an attack matrix for every class, and and that spell dual check comparison table is just one of those.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I can definitely see people being intimidated by looking at you know two hundred odd results and thinking, oh my goodness, what have I gotten myself into? Is this Rollmaster? Like, what do we have to do here?
1: <laughs> it's not riffs (laughs) okay uh, well I want to talk about one more thing before we move to the actual spell duel itself and uh, Harley I heard you pronounce this different than I've been saying it and I'm infamous for mispronouncing things Uh, flogiston disturbance
2: well and you have to understand I mean I I grew up you know reading the AD&D DMG so my pronunciation is no better than anybody else I'm I'm going with flogiston Flogiston. but uh, but I I'm sure Jeffrey or Job can correct us both.
4: Yeah, oh. actually I can. This this is Job. I looked it up just to make sure because I had been saying phlogiston and it is phlogiston.
2: Oh, uh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Point goes to uh Harley Stroh. Put up your momentum by one.
1: <laughs> Job, you're my hero. You are so tight assed about stuff. well, well I mean <laughs>
0: Flogiston Flo first shows up in D and D terms in in uh, Spelljammer. If anybody remembers that,
1: oh yeah,
2: no, yeah, absolutely. That was the wasn't that the space between the stars? They were sail- sailing the Flogiston.
1: So, right. uh, Mike, did you just counter trivia? Is that what you did? No, no, that's I. Well, <laughs> I wanna be, I, I'm, br- I'm bringing something to the table here. You know, I, 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 I could have answered the damn Flogiston
0: question early on, but I'm I'm I feel far- sorry for Harley, so I want to have him get some. Uh, you know, get his moment of sun here.
4: <laughs> in agree. <the> <laughs> but totally in the great tradition of uh D&D totally misusing names of things from you know folklore and history.
2: Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll I, you know the DCC, you know, we we continue that tradition. We will we will rip off anything, you know, we find that's like, you know from 12th century AD and it looks kind of cool and we'll 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 twist mm. it into any sort of adventure. Although I, I think it makes sense. Yeah, but we got, we got to give props to Mike, who's like he's doing like American Appalachian legends now for his DCCs. I,
1: I, I grew up in Kentucky. He asked me about the Pope Look Monster, and I'm like, "How the hell do you even know about that?" I've been yeah. on those train trestles. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> But uh, I want to stop and do a quick commercial for Gary Kahn coming up this March, because if anybody's out there listening who's on the fence of, yeah, I always wanted to go, but I never find the time, maybe next year. Gary Khan is four solid days of this with like <laughs> 400 other guys just like this. You well. should definitely go.
2: Uh, oh, Gary Kahn's wonderful. Well, that's where I first
0: met Mike Curtis. Yes. That, yeah, you uh, you and Doug so two years ago.
2: Yeah, it's it's you know for for those that can't make it to North Texas or, you know it's 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 a wonderful convention to go to. Like the ratio of XTSR employees to, to gamers is almost one to one. It is so much fun to go to Gary Con.
1: And North Texas RPG Con, ditto. Everything I yeah.
2: said. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to
2: get to one of
4: those this year.
0: And at, uh, at Gen Con next year, uh, Harley and I will be spell-dueling using two 10th-level magic users. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: We're going to be selling tickets. <laughs> hey, Michael, Tim, Tim Cask has got a brand-new Honda Element that's got huge cargo space, and I'm coming with a snow shovel this year. This year, we're going to oh. do it. We're going to get our dice and rub it on Gary's plaque. Excellent. Oh, very cool. I don't care if there's really? four feet of snow. We'll find it.
2: And did you guys find it the, the last year?
1: Hell No. Oh. Well, on our snow shovel run uh, to Walmart we broke Tim's car you heard the story
2: well yeah but that's, that's legendary in and of itself
1: <laughs> the two of us standing beside the road like two teenagers that busted dad's car we're <laughs> like, ah, now we're doomed
2: you know it wouldn't be Gary Conn if somebody's car didn't break down
1: <laughs> How they bring you back from battle on your shield we came back on the flatbed tow truck <laughs> ah brutal okay. let's do a spell duel all right. pom bum, Great all-seeing
0: eye of Agamotto, you must, you must come, come to my, my aid.
3: Doesn't weird stuff happen when spells are messed up? I don't feel anything.
1: So that could have gone better.
0: Material
1: magic.
0: Ladies and gentlemen... Mm, LET'S
1: GET READY TO RUMBLE!!! Okay, our two guests have kindly uh, offered and donated their time and services to create third-level versions of Emrakul the Chaotic and Cezarcon. Uh, We decided the Cosmic Game Master plucked them out of their respective timelines both at third level so that we could simplify play a bit for uh, demonstration purposes. And uh, given what happened in rehearsal, are we going to do best two out of three?
2: Well, <laughs> Let's see how it goes.
1: Okay. I, I would be very disappointed if there's not at least one spell corruption and one phlogiston disturbance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we should def- we should definitely do the initial round, you know, nice and slow with the tempo, just so we're explaining. So what we're doing I is I can follow along. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we have we have now met on the uh, this is this is a prime example. You leave Harley and I in charge of this table for long enough, and we'll start the campaign without you guys. So,
1: <laughs> so, so so that nobody thinks proper safety precautions haven't been taken. Our live studio audience is protected by an anti magic shell, so that if there is a phlogiston disturbance, only the two combatants are affected. Excellent. <laughs>
2: Excellent. Well, we 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 see each other across the arena, <laughs> and Cesar Khan, you know, recognizes a miracle from his his uh, iconic image in the AD&D DMG. Realizes he will never be as famous, and decides a miracle needs to go down. You know, because it, it you know, in fairness, you know, the, the hack Michael Curtis kind of stole a miracle. Like Cesar Khan was created for DCC RPG, a miracle, uh, not so much.
0: Uh, a miracle was assigned.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, Curtis, when you're not ripping off Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, what do you do with your spare time?
1: <laughs> well, we, we've also cleared the arena of all folding chairs, just so you know. <laughs>
0: Let's see. Usually, usually, I'm writing what five or six adventures, you know, in the time that the Harley is pumping cr- out like what one, one or two. Well,
2: if <laughs> <laughs> you sell as many as I do, you only have to write
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're, you're gonna, you, you, Once the baby is born, you're gonna. You know, you'll be dropping off the scene for a while. You'll come back, and you and I will be even in the number of adventures we've written for good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, but you know, but once the baby is born, I'm going to have a whole new new. uh New, uh, uh, you know, bag of tricks of body horror and, and oh, yes. things to draw upon that will pay, you know, make your, 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 yeah, make your adventures pale in comparison, Michael Curtis. It's time for you to go down. So, Enough trash talk. Clearly, these boys from Long Island. It's past their bedtime. West, <laughs> west Coast and Mountain Time is going to step up, and we're going to lay some smack down here. I dare you to roll initiative, Michael Curry. I shall
0: roll initiative. Oh, actually, before some Before should, I, should oh, we set our moment? Should we set our momentum dice now?
2: <laughs> oh, oh I, I hadn't realized you hadn't done that yet.
1: Uh, both, both <laughs> combatants, please take a d20 and set it for ten.
0: Done. All right. All
1: right. Now I am rolling for initiative.
0: <laughs> uh, I got a one. <laughs> What's your modifier? I, I have none. My agility oh. is my agility is eleven.
2: Oh, mighty Americal, you are not long for this world. Clearly, you have been replaced in D and D. Next, you know the, the best you can hope for is that Wizards of the Coast is going to reprint, perhaps illegally. The, your picture from the A, D, and D, DMG. <laughs> I cast magic missile at you, sir. Well, what's your initiative, uh, Cesar? Uh, yeah. I beat a one, that's for sure. Uh, eight plus one,
0: nine. Oh, yeah, they're talking big.
1: We do have we do have three judges present to keep things fair and that's, that's fair.
2: I, I don't have to be fast. I just have to be faster than Michael Curtis.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
2: So
0: you have initiative. What are you doing?
4: Guys, just for for the uh, listeners uh, that are playing along at home, uh, could you tell us how many hit points each of you have?
2: Oh, uh, Mighty Cesar Khan, the third level, has a total of 13 hit points.
0: And I have a slight advantage with 14 hit points.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not for long.
2: Yeah, don't get cocky now, Michael Curtis. All right. (laughs) But uh, I'm casting my magic missile. Do you care to counterspell, sir?
0: Yes, since we have since we have known each other and have been battling the down the ages, I am familiar with your spell casting. So <laughs> I know I know that that is a magic missile you are preparing. So excellent. I, uh, looking at my looking at my my massive amount of spells I have accumulated since you know becoming a since my days as a rope maker, the cha- the most chaotic rope maker in the kingdom. Uh, I realized that I could I have magic shield, but. I want to do some damage as well. So I am going to counter your magic missile with a magic missile of my own. Fantastic. All right.
2: Well, given that we are not using spell burns in this particular universe, uh, now we come the time when we both make our spell checks. All right.
0: 15
2: plus three.
0: 18,
1: sir. I got a 19. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, was oh. so close to flip. Oh. So close. All right. So, so now... Yes.
0: Since, since since I won, since I have a higher spell check on that, I will now advance my momentum dice from ten to eleven. So correct. the forces of the universe are working in my benefit for now.
2: Oh, I shake my heads and mute fury. Now we consult the spell dual check comparison table, and we see that the defender. What'd you get again? And was it a nineteen? I'm
0: coming up with a D I, I got a, a, I D got a H3. nineteen. Harley got an eighteen, right?
2: I got an eighteen. I'm, I'm going uh, to get a D three. So, that's a D three for the defender. All right, so I will
0: roll a D three,
2: and don't forget to add, add one for your momentum.
0: I will yeah. be adding one to it from my my momentum. So the result on that is four. So we now look at table four dash six, and I, I was the defender, so uh, mutual mitigation uh, D ten. So I roll a D10, and we're going to subtract that from both of our uh, our spell checks. So rolling a D10, I got a 2. So my spell becomes a 17, and Harley's becomes a 16.
2: And both our spell effects take place simultaneously. Oh, it's going to come down to the wire here, folks. Oh,
1: you, you could both drop.
2: Yeah, so our, <laughs> at our magic missiles, that's... Um, Oh, well, we each throw a single missile that does 1d4 plus caster level.
1: Ow. A single All missile right. one d Yay, there's going to be a round two. Right. Okay. A miracle, ah. you take
2: six points of damage, sir.
0: How many was that? I missed that.
1: You just got popped for six. Six points? Yes. Crap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Harley, you take four.
2: Four points it is. All right. <laughs> Is that all you got, Americal? Oh, I, I see that normally you ride through town shooting people with your magic missiles. I'm afraid I have a little bit more for you, sir. All right. So uh, now the rest of the combat round for any other player characters would resolve itself normally. We bring ourselves back to the top of the round. I'm pleased to share that Cesricon Khan still has initiative over Americal the Week. And, uh, you know, this magic missile thing seems to be working out all right with me. I'm going to cast magic missile again.
0: All right. I will counter it with Magic Shield, because I could benefit <laughs> from the advantage later on. So. uh you think so. Yes. All right. Bring the noise. All right. All right. I got an 18. All right. I got a nine. So my Magic Missile fails to materialize. My Magic magic Shield fails to materialize. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Much like your last adventure. So I deal 1d4 <laughs> oh, missiles. Dealing 1d4 plus caster level per... All right, so, all right, a miracle, the chaotic. You you receive, you know, two missiles strike home each. Well, the first one does four points of damage, I'm still and the standing. second second one does five. I'm dead. So, oh, and Khan reigns the multiverse.
1: The first round goes to Khan.
2: <laughs> Harley did did you look it up on the table?
1: I didn't. No, I didn't have
2: to look. Thank you. I didn't have to look it up on the table because he failed his spell check.
4: Oh, oh right. Okay. Well, my spell point.
2: went through because because his attempt at a counter spell didn't go through at all.
0: Yeah. So if you if you fail to if you fail to bring up the spell you're using in the spell in the spell duel, uh, that you don't basically you have no duel. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: there's there's one little tricky thing in the rules we might want to quickly talk about, uh, which is on a normal spell check, say first level spell below 12, you lose the spell, right? Correct. Right. But there's a rule built into the spell duel. There are circumstances under which you fail, but you don't lose the spell.
2: Yeah, yeah. Under under no circumstance if that initial spell check was successful, regardless of what the the spell duel result is, if it's like you lose negative ten to your spell check, your spell was still successful, but you just if you you know the spell just doesn't go off. It's it's negated by the actual you know the magic's combining with one another, it's not negated by your inability to manipulate the universe. If that makes sense. So you still retain the spell um, as if you had cast it successfully.
1: Which did not happen in this case, because you have now lost Magic Shield before you got right. Exactly. That is correct. The There was
0: the one time where when in the first round, when my spell uh, was successful, I had to roll the D10. Mm-hmm. Um, if our spell checks were low enough to say, and so uh, say we had, it was a case of where we had a 15 and a 14, and I roll a 6 on the D10, uh, that would mean that we would have subtracted 6 from our spell check, and that that's how they would have manifest. And in that case, neither spell would have been powerful enough to actually do anything. So the spell would not have taken effect, but we wouldn't have lost them. Got it. Okay.
4: Now, now, if I was running this at the table, um, it, it doesn't mention it in the rules, but I would let you, uh, Americal, use luck to to bump that up to a twelve at least.
0: Yes, that that is the case. But we we kind of we kind of left the uh, that's that's an option. But for the first kind of round, we weren't doing any really spell burning or luck or anything. So we were just trying to play it safe. But yes, you could. Yes, I could have.
2: So, uh, so Mike, do you want to let's do? Should we do one more without any spell burning and luck, and then we'll do another with no hold bar?
1: Yeah, sure. Right. Ready for round two? All right.
2: Okay, in uh, Universe uh, X, where a miracle was not stolen by Mike Curtis, but <laughs> was, was created by, by Mike Curtis. He happens upon Cezar Khan, who was still originated with Harley Stro, you know, one, one of the finest writers here. At, you know, Dungeon Call Classics.
0: <laughs> and and, and I, Shaka Khan, I love your music.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, just for that reference to disco, I challenge you to a spell duel. I accept. All right. Let's roll initiative.
0: I did. Oh.
2: <laughs> I, I cool. got it.
1: I, I heard, I, I heard a one. Maybe
2: you heard a one. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's and, brutal.
0: And and, and as showing that the uh, the universe is playing tricks on us again, I rolled a nine. So it's the exact inverse <laughs> of the last duel. <laughs> All right. I believe the initiative is yours, Michael Curtis. All right. And since I am a miracle and I am calling the shots on this on this bell duel, since I have the initiative, I will live up to my iconic illustration and use Scorching Ray upon Shaka Khan.
2: Now now we're talking. All right. Well, my only defense against uh, that is going to be my magic shield. Come on, big money.
0: Oh, come on.
2: Uh, 13, sir.
0: All right. I got a, uh, I got 11. So, ha
2: ha. All right. My magic shield takes effect, but, uh, yeah, uh, Michael my, Curtis's Scorching Ray does not.
1: Right. And uh, I if, believe if that only Americal had the ring of Cesar Khan, he would have two more Scorching Rays left.
2: Exactly. Right. Have you ever I, heard of the ring of Americal? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> so since, since, uh, since I was not
0: high enough to actually, you know, bring this spell into effect, I, as, as written, I have lost Scorching Ray. So,
2: Right. Um, and my shield goes up, you know, I conjure a weak shield that provides plus two bonus to AC for six rounds. All right, whatever. All right, round two, you still have
0: initiative. All right, round two, I will try to color spray my opponent, because color spray is chaotic, and so am I.
2: Oh, <laughs> curses. Well, magic shield won't counter color spray, uh, so the best I can do is attempt to cast color spray myself.
1: Hell, now things are getting disco. All right,
2: All right bring it.
1: All
0: right, 14.
2: 18, sir. It goes to the oh. defender. All right, so we look to our spell check comparison.
0: All right, um, yeah, wait, you won, so what are you oh, doing yeah. with momentum die?
2: Yes, I, I advance it by one. All right. And, and so I I, I, I cross-reference 18. The, Did you say you got a 13? I,
1: um, 14, I, so you're I got 14. d D5.
2: 18, 14, D5 plus one. Where are you, D5? There we go. Ah, oh, fantastic. Six. Push through D6. So I roll 1D6 and subtract it from the defender's spell. Come on, big money. Um, nice. Six. Defender spell takes effect with this result. And the attacker's spell is canceled. So that's actually reducing my spell only down to, what, uh, 18, 12. Which... Four color spray is yes all right um, so and, and sorry and your spells cancel um, make a will save versus uh, 12 sir be blinded for 24 rounds
0: I can do that and I do I get a 17
2: oh curses the color spray washes
0: over your eyes this brings us to the next round still your uh-huh. initiative
1: I never thought this thing would go the distance
0: all right um
1: i uh, know enough
0: pussyfooting around it's time for some magic missileing here
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to counter that also with magic missile you're going down holmes oh or not 15 beat a two <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey you know it's funny on the spell dual check comparison chart i don't see two
2: <laughs> all right i fail at my magic missile what what see if i can live out a, a 15 result on your magic missile check All test. right, so
1: i just
0: one one missile of 1d4 plus three so
2: oh i might walk away from this all right
0: that's only five points of damage
2: fantastic okay
1: and your momentum die goes up one now too right yes that's true all right so, uh,
0: so we're even on momentum now i believe precisely we're, we're we're tied at this point
1: yes
2: okay the initiative is still oh shoot, but I lost magic missile. Ouch. Round four. Oh, this is starting to get less cool. Action,
1: action. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will point out that both opponents have swords. Uh,
0: I yeah, all right, you're on, Mr. Curtis. Uh-huh. Well uh, so ah uh, so <laughs> so I'm going to magic missile you again.
3: <laughs> oh Curtis oh, no, no, no.
2: only my magic shield. Fire away. All right. 13
0: 17
2: Oh all right okay um, so the 17. 17 goes through plus one versus my 13 so d5 plus one sir
0: all right uh, that's a, that will be six ouch overwhelm and reflect d8 <laughs> all right so I, oh I got a big eight on the eight. Gosh. All right. So basically, what that happens is, is uh, all right. So I rolled an eight, so we subtract the eight from Harley's spell check, making it worthless. We're making it worthless, but my spell t- takes effect with a normal spell check result. And now, so uh, that was what seventeen, I believe. I believe that's just, I believe that's just another one d four plus roll, right? <laughs>
2: Come on. Ah, okay. Come on, bring it.
0: That's another four points.
2: Oh, slow burn, Americal. At least I had the the decency to do you in one round. All
1: right, round five.
2: Uh, the initiative is still yours, Americal. You have uh, a plus one, uh, you know, cumulative over me. All right.
0: Let's see here. Mm. Did I didn't did lose? Did I lose colors play? I don't remember. <laughs> no, no, no. It's still yours.
1: Yeah, you did not lose it. it All right, well then, canceled. let's use color spray again. Uh, actually, no, All no, right. let, you know
0: what? Uh, yeah, let's use color spray. All right. So, I will color spray you again.
2: Okay, which which, which which we can, you know, to everyone listening at home, that's actually a very generous tactic because... You know, if I cast successfully cast a color spray to counter him, I could do some damage. If he kept he could keep hammering on me with magic missiles now at this point because I've lost my own magic missile and I can only defend against it with magic shield. So, the fact that he's casting color spray is perhaps an opening if I can outcast or
1: or is it an insult because he regards you so lowly?
2: Well, you know, it, it, to 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 read it as an insult would be, you know, to uh to accord Mr. Curtis more intelligence than he deserves. So I think we'll just take it as an opening.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. You're on, Michael Curtis. Eat rainbow straw. <laughs> <laughs> Taste the flavor. All right. Okay. 20, Beat it 18, sir.
0: 23 on my spell check. Oh, God. Skittling. skittling.
2: <laughs> 18 to 23. Brutal is D6 plus one.
0: D6 plus one. All right. On the counterspell power table. Oh, t- only two.
2: Two push through D8. Rolled one D8 and subtract this from a de- defender's spell check. This right. actually this could, this could decide it right here. I rolled an eight again. An eight. All right. So that brings my 18 down to 10. My spell is lost, but not lost to me. But it's you know just lost in the particular casting. However, your spell goes through. Yep. With with uh, was it 23? Uh 23. Yep. Um, so I need to make two will saves versus twenty three, uh, or be affected. My will is plus four, so I need a. I'm going to need a nineteen each time. Uh, first one's a fail. Second one's also a fail. I am blind and unconscious, sir. The spell duel goes to Mighty America, the chaotic. Yay! <laughs>
1: and we are. That was good. One on one. Yeah, that was much better than yeah. rehearsal.
2: That, that actually stretched it out for a real spell duel. That was good.
0: Yeah. And That was it without spell burning or spending luck or anything so <laughs>
1: okay now do we want to do one like real player characters yeah,
3: yeah, yeah we're it's- tied now so now I think we we go into the whole spell burn luck all you want because this is the tiebreaker it's all on the line now right, <laughs> right. I, I think so awesome so our yeah. first two examples were just no a gentleman's agreement to no luck and no spell burn but our third round what'll be the tiebreaker is the gentleman can spell burn or, and or use luck to boost the results and see how the third round goes.
1: That's, that's why I said think like real player characters. so here's my first question. Are you allowed to use luck to push your initiative roll?
2: Uh, I think we have to defer to Judge Job on that one. Initiative, no. Okay. <laughs> Any final words, Michael Curtis? <laughs> 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 no. <laughs> well... Wow. Strodor.
0: That's right. That's right. Well I am, you know, so, my- I am so I am so confident that I will carve my, my final words on your headstone. That's what- <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's send you back to first
2: edition where you belong.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> All right. Bring the pain. Initiative. All right.
0: Come on. All right, beat a twelve, it. sir. I have an eighteen. <laughs> God, I got nice and warm enough.
1: Ariak right. favors you, sir.
0: Alright. I will uh, I'm, uh come on. Scorching Ray has to work one of these times, so I will lead off with the scorching ray.
2: I will also lead off with the scorching ray, but I'm gonna burn ten
1: uh strength. Uh, wow. All right. Uh to be fair, uh you may do the same if you wish.
0: I will I will burn five strength. <laughs> That's how. That's how. That's how. How confident I am.
1: Did you, did you roll a six strength for this guy?
0: Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> you guys see
2: Cesar Khan? He buries his uh, his tanto into his belly. Starts cutting left and right, and all he wants to do is see the scorching ray burn Americal to the ground. <laughs> all right, come on. All right, bring it on. Big money. Yes. <laughs> we need a webcam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I believe that would be a 33, sir. (laughs) (laughs) A 33, huh? All right. Well, you're looking at a 19 for me.
2: (laughs) All right. So uh, we go to
1: our. (laughs) You're off the table for one thing. It stopped at 38.
2: So a a D8. Uh, That's a D8 for the defender. D8 plus one, I'll remind you.
0: Yep. All
2: right. For a total of seven, push through d4. Roll 1d4 and subtract from the defender's spell check. That's me. All right, so that's one. Oh, I could think I could take that. <laughs> um, where were we? Defender's spell takes effect with this result, and the attacker's spell, alas, is canceled. Oh, well, let's, let's look at... I think that's brought me back into the table. The caster detonates a blast of fire centered around himself. He suffers... No damage, Michael Curtis. But all targets within 20 feet are immolated for 1d12 points of damage. In addition, the blast sends out up to a dozen jets of flame, each 80 foot in length, aimed at a single target. we'll choose AmeriCall the Chaotic. Each jet does 1d20 plus caster level damage and automatically catches the target on fire for an additional 1d6 damage each round until the target makes a d15 reflex save. Flammable objects on the target automatically catch fire. No target may be damaged by more than just one jet of flame. All
1: right. Damn, dude. Your next three characters are going to have to make saves.
2: All right. 1d20 plus caster level. We're aiming for, um, you know, and just because it's so important. Well, all right. All right. right, 17 points of damage, sir, and you catch fire.
0: 17 points of damage, that's it? I I think that'll do it. (laughs) All right. Uh, I'm going to roll my body over, make sure I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, cleric. I, all right, we roll wait, wait, the body over. You I have to I'm going to see if I catch fire. Okay. I guess I do catch fire. Okay. All right.
2: All right. That'll be uh, 1d6 points of damage. All
0: right. So. <laughs> so, uh,
2: so what was it? what
0: was the original hit? <laughs> I, I don't
2: know. Uh, I think it was 13 points plus uh, 1d6. Okay, um does that beat by fourteen head points? Is that what's going on there I think that' I think that's where we're going, so yeah, so it was uh there's yeah. a blackened
1: patch of salted earth where you were standing <laughs> but, but he's right.
2: We need to roll the body over, so you know <laughs> later later that night when they're breaking down the arena and the janitors come around they see they see this blackened form burnt into the uh into the arena floor they're they're scraping him off the ground, and let's get a luck check
1: out there. I want to I want to point out that the janitor looted the body first.
2: Uh that's fair <laughs> enough. If, if there was anything to loot, it's all it's all like it, it was polyester, and so it's s- actually been hey, burned into the body.
1: Magic items get saving throws. There could be something. Yeah,
2: that's fair. I'm Miracle, have- did you make it?
1: Oh yeah, I'm still alive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and for hit, hints is the uh, this is where the 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 Im- immortal rivalry between Caesar Khan and A Miracle the chaotic originates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a miracle lives to be in another sequel michael curtis adventure <laughs> yes
0: but, all right all right I, so that's how it's done
1: i i think we've demonstrated
0: the you know the swinginess of uh, of the spell duel you know the first one was the the second one went about five or six rounds and the first one went one so there you
1: go <laughs> <laughs> well uh, apparently it has something to do with smack talk because there was more smack talk than there was in rehearsal and the battles were much better
0: yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I won all three in the, in the for rehearsal, but <laughs>
1: <True>. <laughs> the, the level of smack talk seemed to influence the die rolls.
2: <laughs> but there's also, you know, like 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 you know, we were showing, you know, there's that level of there's that you know in that second in that second uh, in the second duel, you know, he I got caught without a magic missile, and all I could do is counter it with a passive spell, which you know was never going to do me any good unless I managed to reflect his spell. So there, you know, there's there's a degree of tactics involved.
1: Sure, and all you gotta do is land one color spray, and the guy's blind. You can't cast blind.
2: That's true, but you can, and yeah. So if the other caster doesn't have color spray or dispel magic, he's in a lot of trouble.
1: Well, I cannot thank you guys enough for that. That was stellar.
3: Yeah, that that was definitely awesome. Epic battle
1: well yeah <laughs> well i
0: if i'm just happy I just hope that we just you know dispelled any confusion of you know how intricate this uh, this uh you know the mechanic is, where as you can see it's not all that intricate whatsoever
1: <laughs> Jeff, Jeffrey job, I vote we uh uh seed our uh salary for this episode and just give it to these guys
2: <laughs> I don't know
1: as, as a thank you for being on the show and doing this for us. Oh,
2: the privilege is ours. thank you guys so much for having us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having back on. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. I'm a little out of breath. That was awesome to watch. Um, the final portion of our show is Patron Bond, so let's go there now.
0: Who are you? Your new lord and master. What orders from mortal, my lord? Oh, don't grovel. One thing I can't stand, it's people groveling. It. Patron Bond.
1: Patron bond is a part of the show where we rate whatever we were discussing. In this case, the spell duel game mechanic, either giving it a critical hit, hit, miss, or fumble. So uh, we'll start with the uh, judges, since you guys had a hand in the rules. What do you think, Joe?
4: You know, unfortunately, I have to go for a miss. My first miss ever.
1: Wow! It um, is your first miss right. ever.
4: Yes. Okay. So the actual, uh, you know, spell duels and the, you know the fun that we just witnessed. It's definitely uh, a critical hit there. Um, the problem is that the the rules as written, there's a lot of leeway in there. They just miss some stuff like, for example, why is momentum even a d20
2: that starts at ten? It never goes down.
4: Do you guys know why?
2: No, you're absolutely right, you're absolutely right and and, and I think that, that that'd be my one my one caveat to the system as as I've played it so far is you know when i when I was playing here at home, I was just tracking who had who had ever won, you know I was just marking making hash marks. To, to keep track of people's momentum.
4: Yeah. So, and then as far as you know, some of the other stuff is like, well, you know, when when do you spell burn? Um, when when do you use luck? It, it seemed like it would be fun to just to let people just use spell burn and luck as normal. So, but then when do you say who's who's done each thing? I mean, if it was a player on player thing, I, I probably would. They could show um, how they spell burn, like like Carly did with you know stabbing himself. But maybe, you know, write on a piece of paper uh, how much they actually spell burnt. Another question is, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys play. I usually, you know, have the numbers out on the table so that you don't have to guess how much luck you need and stuff like that. So could someone potentially use luck to purposefully invoke uh, a phlogiston uh, disturbance?
2: Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I wish the rules were a little bit more specific about this stuff. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I think that'd be great to use luck to like purposefully, um, you know, possibly kill everybody uh, around you or or some other crazy effect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So for the reasons, just you know, uh, you know, dispassionately, I'm gonna have to give it a a miss. Just for the mechanic, but it's it seems like a lot of fun. Um, I think you might have to house rule a little bit, or at least you know set out the rules beforehand so people understand them and don't have you know hurt feelings or confusion when when they're talking about the rules and end up in these you know situations where everyone's arguing about the rules for 20 minutes.
1: I just want to stop for a second to mention that uh, we didn't have spell corruption or a phlogiston disturbance in the live play, but during rehearsal, we had both at the same time when the phlogiston disturbance that was triggered by matched spell check rolls resulted in four or five spell corruptions for both casters. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> so it, it would be, as a player, I would totally go, oh, I just got to push that roll one to trigger something like that. Hell yeah. What about you, Jeffrey? I'm,
3: I'm going to give it a hit and again I, i'm sort of with job as tested tonight it was awesome it was cool and i definitely see people using spellburn a lot more after this podcast i suspect because i think it'll make it very clear that it, it's not it's not as cumbersome as it looks when you first look at it and once you've seen it in play i think it'll play out really well i certainly see spell duels becoming more frequent in my games just because i've had magic user wizards and clerics you know meet each other and I think we'll see it more often. So I rank it down to a hit instead of a critical hit just because if I'm a person just picking up the book the first time, I know it intimidated me. And that there's a couple of the the vagueness uh, here and there that Job sort of already covered. So I'm going to give it a hit, though I do think this uh, this particular demonstration will help clear it up for a lot of people. So if I think for people that are really into DCC, happen to listen to the podcast, see one of these played out – I think it could be a lot of fun during a game, but the rules as written, I can't quite give it a critical hit, because I, I do agree with Joe, there's some vagaries there that, that would be difficult for someone to possibly pick up, maybe.
4: Listen to this, though, Jeffrey, like, you could totally break this at the table if, if you did allow luck in spell Spellburn, because the only people that are going to cast spells are going to be, you know, the wizard is probably going to be the big bad at the end of the adventure most likely. So they cast their spell. They didn't, you know, happen to spell burn beforehand. I mean, maybe you retcon it and let them sh- spell burn, but I mean, NPCs aren't supposed to spell burn anyway. So immediately, uh, someone has a spell that they can counter with an attack spell and they say, okay, you know, halfling, give me a couple points of luck. Uh, I'm going to burn a few points of luck and, uh, I'm going to spell burn, you know, and, and they add, you know, just 10 off the bat to, uh, make sure that they hit. I don't know. It seems a little bit unbalanced in favor of the players.
3: It, it where, could be balance, but I'll will tell you I personally in my games I would not be against letting an NPC spell burn. Yeah, uh, are you, are you pulling that from somewhere? Especially if it was the big, if it was like one of the encounters on the way up to, eh, for simplicity I might not do it, but for the, the for the end game, I would be very tempted to go ahead and allow the NPC to spell burn. But you're right, once you, we saw in that third round, once you start spell burning and burning luck, I, I mean it, the results go. Uh, you know, they're definitely going to go gonzo, which can be cool, but it's definitely different than just slinging back and forth without the gentleman's agreement we had for the first two rounds.
1: Well, as you know, magic users and wizards are my meat and potatoes in fantasy RPGs. So, uh, I'm gonna give it a solid hit. And with just a few house rules tweaks, it could totally be a critical hit. I mean, one of the things that the demo didn't cover is while this is all going on, although a, a counterspelling wizard can leap forward in initiative order, if it's a mass combat with a whole party and minions and things, they're all, they all get to go in the middle of this. So what, part of what's happened in effect is your are uh, party wizard has rooted the attention of the big bad wizard while the rest of the minions get a chance to do it the party can still pile on the wizard in the you know by the second round if nothing else so i have a solid hit you know and with just a little tweaking a critical hit uh mr co-author and co-author you want to i mean you wrote a lot of the spells that would be used in spell duel they're in the rule book too right mike
0: well, uh yeah, the some of that stuff is mine. I, I can't ha- I don't I don't have any claim to uh, to the uh, spell duel stuff.
1: I um, counter your Ekham's Mistal mask mask with one of my own. my opinion of it, it is it's a hit and a miss. Uh,
0: it really uh it depends on uh, as as Jeffrey and Joe broke out, I mean there's definitely um there's there's definitely uh some problems with it, but In the hands of, in the the hands of, you know, the right judge, it can be amazing, but in the hands of the wrong one, it could be, it could just be a, a pain in the butt. Um, I mean, one of the things you should especially have to consider is that, you know, if you want to play DCC by the rules, rules as written, they're very, very, um, very explicitly it says that uh, non-player character wizards are not subject to the same laws that uh, player character wizards are uh so i believe actually it just came up i think on the forum somebody was question- i think it was in um i think it was one of Harley's adventures where there's a wizard who is given uh, his spell just does 2d4 damage there's no spell check or something like that is that correct harley
2: yeah yeah no it was it was uh it was the evil wizard in uh, doom of the savage kings
0: Right. So I mean so I mean so it could be the point where you know if you're playing something like that I mean you know the, uh, the you know if you're going to spell duel the big bad wizard at the end he might end up playing by the same rules as you. And uh, again uh, another one of the problems is we kind of discussed that the in uh you know how do you how, how do you know what spells to um to counter with i mean um one of the things is about dcc is that magic is is very unpredictable and so even if two people know magic missile um they may not cast it the right way so it may not know what spell you're going to bring up um so it might come to the places you know i would say as as a, as a judge okay well he's he's casting a spell at you and then you know might you might have to you know try to pull all pull out you know uh you kind of blindly decide, you know, how you want want to counter this with like magic shield, you know, uh, you know, works against a lot of things, or dispel magic or something like that, or do you want to bring it down to the fact well, okay, you can make a uh, an intelligence check against a DC of ten plus the spell you know level or something like that, and give you an idea of what he might be throwing at you. And then, uh, you know, I guess it says in the rules that, you know, clerics and clerics and wizards can, you know, they can, you know, they can, in theory, counter one another. But uh, there's not a big meld over, you know, there's not a big flow through of of the right spells. So, I mean, you know, if you, you know, cleric doesn't have Scorching Ray unless there's, you know, some crazy thing because of your Invoke Patron, your house rules or something like that. So, um I you know it does, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it, it has its problems. But, you know, uh, like anything, yeah, you, depending on how you want to, how you want to do it, you know, you can house rule it to whatever the heck, heck you want to do with it. Um, so as to say, I give it, you know, uh, it's a hit for the idea, uh, the miss the miss for kind of the presentation of it.
1: Okay. What do you think, Carly? Well, you
2: know, I think Michael Curtis probably would have felt better if he had won. And so, you know, I'll, I'll seat him that. Um, you know, for me, it it it, I, 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 it 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 falls within the same realm as as mighty deeds, where you know so much is left open to the interpretation of the judge, kind of the, you know the advocation of the player, and you know we're all very, we're all really comfortable with mighty deeds because we we run them all the time and we're a- actually begging to have them come up at the table, and and for me, you know, spell duels are are are, are very similar. You know, I think back to. Uh, you know the, the cover of uh, the AD&D deities and demigods, where their two clerics are both you know invoking their gods to to smash the crap out of one each other across this you know this wasteland planet, and I was like, ah, we finally have a mechanic where we can we can reenact that you know that 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 classic image, and so you know for me, I really enjoy it. Um, in fairness, um, you know I've also I'm I'm pretty comfortable with running a loose game, so I, I think I think. Job's critiques are are totally legit, but for me, they fall more in the realms of strengths. Um, you know where we can it allows me to to as the as a judge to to mix up the combat a little bit more and 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 give it a more uh, dramatic spin. I would say.
1: Well, I'm going to invoke patron right now by uh, invoking I'm the chronologically oldest person present, and uh, what. I, I support what you just said, Harley, because one of the... A DCC RPG by design is in uh, the flavor of the game is pointedly old school, and one of the tenets of old school role-playing is rulings, not rules. Right? There you go. So, I mean, there's a system here that you could absolutely use and have a blast with. I, I think it's awesome that in our uh, playtest and exploration of it, we uncovered a few of the little quirks in it.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that it'll actually... You know, tonight's tonight's exercise you know it will actually encourages me to my you know and i would be interested in hearing job and michael's input but um to write really badass villainous spellcasters knowing that yes they could wipe the party in one round unless they're counterspelled at which point you know their their massive you know beat hammer is 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 you know perhaps deflected or or you know uh, all of a sudden, it, it it throws that you know that that question balance you know, and um, and that it's it's really neat. Like you know, I think you were the one that said it. You know, it's it's the 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 wizard, you know, gets to distract the you know the big bad guy long enough for Conan to get up behind him and and strike a critical hit. That's a super fun mechanic.
1: Or even the other way around. Say you know you have this player you know is going to show up at every con you're at, who is infamous for spell burning right at the end of the module. So you could you could have your opponent all set up to counterspell that guy. See this exactly. Is, this, is I,
0: this is why I framed my answer as a hit and a miss, and it's a hit in the hands of the right judge. You know, somebody who is is comfortable with you know going you know going. Away from the book you know with you know uh where and, and using it as a springboard for creativity and it's a miss if somebody is you know very very hardcore and they want to answer for everything so
2: <laughs> so so Jay, what you're saying is that at Gen con, we should expect to see the evil the evil countercaster midge rep lama
1: you know, show, right.
2: uh, <laughs> show up at your <laughs> games and. <laughs> and spell you out Harley, of things. Harley and Mike,
1: oh, you weren't a witness to this, but Job was. You have to give credit where credit's due. The guy who promised not to spell burn at Gen Con managed to both spell burn and not spell burn in the same game.
4: <laughs> That's true.
1: All only you, Jim. All Time you. travel, so. Oh, and by the
4: way, Harley, I, I've, I've already actually written an adventure that, that features spell burn. Um, oh, Nice. Yeah, Gil- Karyos Gambit, which is going to be uh, you know one of the DM oh, yeah. rewards later this year. Um, oh, I think Michael that's read cool. it, but the, that's a the, great the cover. yeah the wizard. Oh man, it's so awesome! Doug Kovacs did you know amazing job, but um the the wizard at at the end of that literally has player spells.
2: Awesome. Well, it'll be interesting to hear uh you know what the, what the players' report and feedback is and see how that goes.
1: Dudes, you know what we've got to do? We've got to figure out how to do an online play test of a module, so the play, te- play test credits can read, including the Spellburn crew. <laughs> well,
2: you, you, I know, I know, we're running long, but you know, every every few days it does show up on G folks asking if there's like a an online record of actual play. So it might be something for you guys to consider doing at some point.
3: I've thought about recording my games, but I just haven't taken the time to. Figure out how to record a G plus hangout with Roll Twenty going on yet? Sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I can tell you off air because you're on a Mac. It's easy. <laughs> easy. Oh, no, that's cool. Well, I, this episode did run long, but it was well worth it. Thank you guys for contributing to what I think is our best episode ever.
4: Oh yeah, thanks <laughs> yeah.
2: guys. that was <laughs> it was, that was definitely amazing fun. fun. <laughs> <So>. thank, oh. <laughs>
1: thank
2: you guys so much for hanging out and letting uh, Michael and I beat on one another and and Michael, <laughs> I apologize. You, you knew how it was going to go down from the start, but maybe next time maybe nah.
0: next time. Well, I, you know what? I think I think we should we should, you know, we should clear the air right now is that, you know, Harley and I have been going hammer at tongs at each other, you know, uh ever since Gen Con if not beforehand, uh, you know, and just let him know this was all this was all this was all <laughs> hype for the big fight, you know.
1: <laughs> Harley and, and I, can we get along just fine. <laughs> the, next thing you're going to be telling me is professional wrestling is not real. Oh. <laughs> so many broken dreams. Yeah. All right, gang. I think we better get out of here. This is Judge Jim saying goodnight. And remember, never split the party unless the party is already split.
2: Good night, everyone. Good night. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening.
1: Of Wild Games Productions in association with D20Radio.com. The Spellburn theme music is provided by the band Glitter Wizard. You can find them at glitterwizard.bandcamp.com. Accommodations for guests of the Spellburn podcast were provided by the Dante Hilton. Come and stay a while, it'll seem like all eternity. All Spell Duel Smack Talk is copyright 2013, Michael Curtis and Harley Stroh. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Spellburn.